For all of you college basketball fans out there, Merry Christmas Eve. Now, I obviously know the real Christmas Eve is a month and a half away. But for all of us college hoops fans, for us, this is Christmas Eve. Tomorrow is our Christmas day as we finally get the gift of the return of college basketball season. Now, I know last year we started later than usual as the start date last year was Thanksgiving Eve. But we're back to normal this year in terms of a schedule, a full 31-game schedule, so we know what we're going to get. Unlike last year where schedules could change at a moment's notice. This time, we know exactly what we'll be getting starting tomorrow. Welcome inside the Igloo. And to all of you listening out there that are college basketball junkies like I am, Merry Christmas Eve. College basketball returns tomorrow. I couldn't be more excited. I know most of you listening will be just as excited, probably even more excited than I am. But tomorrow, eight Big East teams in action and... In a very fun way, FS1 will be doing whip-around coverage around the league, covering you know several games from 6.30 all the way until 8 o'clock when they will show a full game. And so only two games will be shown in full, I believe. Actually, three, two games will be shown in full on FS1, one later in the night on FS2. So, let's, let's get this opening slate preview. I mean, let's be real. I don't see any reason why any of these teams should lose, especially with all of them being home tomorrow. All starts at 4.30 Eastern on FS1. With 4th-ranked Villanova playing host to Mount St. Mary's. Mount St. Mary's made the tournament a year ago representing the Northeast Conference and lost in the first four to Texas Southern. Villanova's ranked 4th in the country, and I think I've talked enough about them in terms of who they got back, the big piece they lost in Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Demir Cosby Roundtree is out again in such an unfortunate situation with him being injured and dealing with all these injuries like he has the last two or three years now. I mean, I think it goes without saying Villanova should win big against the Mount tomorrow. The other ranked Big East team will start that whip around coverage on FS1 at 6.30 as 24th-ranked UConn welcomes the Blue Devils of Central Connecticut. I mean, Central Connecticut is year in and year out one of the worst teams at the D1 level. UConn should take care of business rather easily. Butler play host to another in-state foe, IUPUI. In case you've ever wondered, unless you're an avid follower of college basketball, IUPUI for you casuals out there, stands for Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. I believe they said the full name on an East-West Bowl sketch on Key and Peele, by the way. If you haven't seen that sketch, you've probably been living under a rock. Like, literally, there's three of them. One of them is an NFL version. If you haven't seen at least one of them, I think you're living under a rock. 
highly recommend watching it. But Butler, in their non-conference, last year they struggled. They barely won their season opener a year ago against Western Michigan. And then they lost at home to Southern Illinois after a lengthy COVID pause. And, oh yeah, they had a game at... No, they played at Villanova after that. So, coming off that lengthy COVID pause, they lost to Southern Illinois at home, which is their first home non-conference loss in, in eight years, eight and a half years, when they lost in the CBI to Pitt. So, yeah, that was a shock. I mean, they could have lost a lot of non-conference games in that span before that. I mean, they played Gonzaga with Kelly Olenek there. They faced Florida in 2020. They faced Northwestern when they were really good in 2017. They faced some good teams, and for that streak to come to an end against Southern Illinois was a bit of a shock. And then last year in the Crossroads Classic, they lost to Indiana. So they're looking for a much better non-conference slate, although their schedule is extremely difficult. But at least for Tuesday night, should be smooth sailing against the Jaguars. At 7 o'clock, so that game is 645. uh, UConn Central Connecticut, as I mentioned, 630. Now at 7 o'clock, going back to New England, Providence plays host to Fairfield at the dunk. Friars should definitely take care of the Stags there. And then shifting gears to 7.30, Xavier is back at home. Uh, Xavier's at home taking on the Purple Eagles of Niagara. Should be an easy one there. And they they should beat the Eagles pretty easily. 7.45 at Carnesecca. St. John's playing host to the team that, according to a lot of metrics, is supposed to be the worst team in all of Division One. The Delta Devils of Mississippi Valley State. Strangely enough, the alma mater of Jerry Rice, for those of you that didn't know. The greatest wide receiver of all time went to Mississippi Valley State. Now you know. If St. John's kind of goes through the motion and they struggle, I know it's the first game, but when you're facing the worst team in D1, you know what you got to do. You got to beat them into oblivion. You can't let them hang around. Period. 8 o'clock. You're going to see this full game on FS1 tomorrow night. Creighton playing host to Arkansas Pine Bluff. We get our first taste of Creighton's young roster. Ryan Nemhard, Arthur Kaluma, Mason Miller. I definitely got that name right. I feel like I have to. See, yeah, see, I don't know why I doubted myself. Yeah, Mason Miller and then supplemented by the veteran experience of guys like Alex O'Connell and Ryan Kalkbrenner. Creighton definitely should take care of business. And then at 8.30 over on FS2, the Shaka Smart era tips off in Milwaukee as Marquette plays host to Southern Illinois Edwardsville. Golden Eagles should win that one pretty handily. Wednesday night, a doubleheader on FS1. Seton Hall playing host to Garden State foe Fairleigh Dickinson. Pirates should take care of that one. It'll be interesting to see how the Pirates are going to adjust 
to not having Mamu, who was a Swiss army knife for them, or in this case, I guess a Georgian army knife. But you bring in Alexis Yetna to replace him at power forward. Kadari Richmond is, according to John Rothstein, the most dynamic point guard Seton Hall has had since Isaiah Whitehead. And that's saying something. Kadari Richmond is going to make a big difference. And obviously, that big difference, we might be able to see it as early as this game. But where it's going to have to matter is in the games against some of the toughest teams in the country, like Michigan, like Ohio State, like Texas. Which that's quite a ways down the line, although the Michigan game is just a week from tomorrow. But Pirates should take care of business at Prudential Center against FDU. Then at 9 o'clock on FS1, another first-year head coach will make his head coaching debut in the Big East. Tony Stubblefield at DePaul, playing host to Coppin State. And I want to apologize now to my guys, uh, Gio and Eddie, who play baseball at Coppin State and played summer baseball here in my hometown of Utica for the Blue Sox. The team I worked for this past summer, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, guys. Eagles aren't going to stand a chance in this one. Uh, Blue Demons are going to win. Although I will say, this DePaul team is as bad as last year's team was. This team is worse. I mean, you lose Charlie Moore, you lose Paulie Polycap, you lose Romeo Weems to the to the NBA. Although he's in the G League now with the Memphis Hustle. DePaul's gonna show some weakness, even in non-conference games. I wouldn't be shocked if they stumble out of the gates against Coppin State. But the Blue Demons should win. That that should go without saying. And then another doubleheader on FS1 on Veterans Day. Providence will play host to Sacred Heart, and Creighton will play host to Kennesaw State. Again, both games should be wins for both of those teams. So that is going to cover the men's side of things for... Tuesday through Thursday. Now, on the women's side of things, six six teams in action on Tuesday and four more on Wednesday. So Tuesday, 4 o'clock at Alumni Hall, Providence is going to play host to Yale. Providence has a lot of talent. Granted, they're still young, but they have talent there. And... They're taking on a Yale team again. With these Ivy League teams, it's going to be a mixed mat, mixed bag. We're not going to know what to expect because we haven't, we didn't see them at all in 2021. As for Providence, they really didn't finish the regular season strong a year ago. They did get a win in the Big East tournament over Butler, uh, but then lost in the quarterfinals. This Providence team, I mean. They should take care of business against Yale. I mean, this is Yale's first game in a, in a year and a half. So I'm going to take the Friars, obviously. Now, the mighty Seton Hall Pirates, and I say mighty because of the fact that they offensively are, are very explosive. You have such a loaded backcourt with... Lauren Park Lane and Andra Espinoza Hunter. Lauren Park Lane was recently named one of the most 
exciting women's basketball players in the country. And rightfully so. A short player, but she packs a punch because she, for someone her height, she rebounds the ball well, she runs the floor well, passes well, scores well. She's a dynamic player. So with the Pirates, they're hosting Mount St. Mary's at newly renovated Walsh Gymnasium. Pirates should win that one. And by the way, this Mount St. Mary's team, I mean, Seton Hall, I mean, there aren't a lot of glaring opponents on their non-conference schedule, but they're facing a lot of lower-tier teams that made it to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Mount St. Mary's was one of them, as they competed in the NCAA tournament a year ago, losing in the first round of Maryland. But either way, Pirates are going to take care of business. Meanwhile, Georgetown taking on Navy on the road in Annapolis. The men's Hoyas lost to Navy at home a year ago. So the women are going to open up in Annapolis against the midshipmen. And, you know, led by Grace Ann Bennett. And when you add a couple... Well, not, it's not really an addition because she was already on the team, but as I mentioned on the Big East Media Day special on the women's side on my last episode, Anita Kaleva from Croatia couldn't even come into the States last year because of COVID. So after a year away, she is back. And, you know... The starting lineups could be pretty damn good. I mean, you got Grace Ann Bennett. You got Anita Kaleva. You got Jillian Archer, transfer from USC. Kelsey Ransom, I think, should make a big difference. And then bringing in Mary Cloggerty from Lehigh. A team that made the NCAA tournament a year ago. I think Navy will hold their own at home, but in the end, the Hoyas should win this game on the road. Meanwhile, in Milwaukee, the Marquette Golden Eagles playing host to Alcorn State. This should be a runaway. Marquette is going to win this one. This Golden Eagles team, they lost in the first round of the NCAA tournament a year ago. And... They are nowhere near as good as they were a year ago because they lost a lot. Uh, Lauren Van Clunen's back. Chris McLaughlin is another senior to look for. But other than that, they are a very young team. And I know they were picked fourth, but I had them at fifth because of that inexperience. They're going to be talented, but that inexperience might hurt them a little bit. But Marquette against Alcorn State, they should handle business there. Now, Xavier taking on Memphis. And that, this going down in Memphis. The Musketeers. Melanie Moore said that she wants a more high-paced team. team that's going to run the floor more. Because they were ranked towards the bottom of the Big East. In a lot of offensive categories. But, I mean, you have Nia Clark. 
you have Case Satterfield and Ayana Townsend, who are probably going to be the three most important players on this team. You bring in Michaela Hayes, a senior hailing from Minnesota. I mean, the Xavier team is going to be towards the bottom of the Big East, and on the road, this Memphis team, they have a lot of players. And several seniors. They got five of them, in fact. And, I mean, overall, a pretty experienced team. And I think down in Memphis, I think the Tigers should take care of business. Granted, they didn't finish the season well a year ago, but I I think they should take care of business. I got Memphis winning over Xavier in a tight one, though. Texas Southern at DePaul. I mean, the Blue Demons projected second in the Big East. This was a team that, you know, choked away making it to the NCAA tournament uh, because of a bad end to the season. You know, and they capped it off with a loss at home to Butler. You know, Butler team that finished towards the bottom of the standings and coupled with a loss in the opening and their quarterfinal matchup in the Big East tournament against Villanova, that was what cost them an NCAA tournament bid. So I think DePaul, I think they're going to come out swinging. They want to avenge that and they want to make the tournament. And I wouldn't be shocked if they play angry and play at a high level. So DePaul, they will take care of business rather easily against Texas Southern. And then on Wednesday, all of these games tip off at 7. St. John's should take care of business against Fairleigh Dickinson. Who, by the way, you know, uh, former Seton Hall player Katie Healy is an assistant there. So, but either way, St. John's, you know, they got Kadeja Bailey. Leilani Correa is a first-teamer, in my opinion. Emma Nolan as well who were the three players that you heard from from St. John's on media at media day on my, on my special. And then you bring in Danielle Patterson. But I don't, I don't want to say not, not bring in, but I mean, I mean, she's another senior, not really sure. I mean, she hasn't really seen the court a lot. But, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Coach Tartamella is going to use her use his rotation. I mean, Unique Drake was very solid as a sophomore a year ago. She averaged 30 minutes a game, averaged about 10 points. I think she's going to be another good complementary player to, you know, Bailey, Correa, and Nolan. So... I think in the end, like, yeah, St. John's, they'll take care of business. In an interesting matchup, I like this I like this game a lot. Villanova hosting Princeton at Finner and Pavilion. Again, Princeton, like Yale, a team we haven't seen since 2020. And this Princeton team is traditionally one of the, the best team in the Ivy League, I should say. Nova... As you're going to see, they scheduled awfully hard games in non-conference play. And Princeton's one of them. That's going to be a challenge. I think the Wildcats should win, but Princeton is going to make it tough. I do not anticipate 
Princeton to, you know, come out struggling and, you know, come out rusty and to the point where, like, Villanova is going to make them look bad. I think Princeton's going to hold their own, but Villanova should win. Also at 7, from Hinkle Fieldhouse, Butler playing host to in-state foe Indiana, the 8th ranked team in the country. A team that, by the way, made it to the Elite Eight a year ago before they lost to the eventual national runner-up from Arizona. This IU team, they're good. And I know Butler's got home court advantage here, but Indiana's not going to lose a game like this. Indiana, I again, I won't be shocked. And again, like... Whenever I say games are going to be a blowout, like I mean, it, it, it's not meant to be a slight on any team. Indiana's just that good, and they should handle business rather easily against the Bulldogs at Hinkle. But it's not like Butler's not going to put up any fight at all. It's just that Indiana should win with relative ease. Now... The Drake Bulldogs are playing host to the Creighton Blue Jays. Obviously, Creighton being the Big East team. Drake competed in the WNIT a year ago and went solidly 2-1. They lost to Milwaukee and then rebounded with wins against DePaul and then Bowling Green. Creighton competed in the WNIT. They beat Bowling Green in the first round, but then lost to Northern Iowa in round two. I think Drake is supposed to be one of the best teams in the Missouri Valley this year. Creighton projected sixth in the Big East, although I have them seventh. But some's telling me I think Drake should win this game. But again, I I think it's going to be a nail-biter out in Des Moines. So, um, so give me the Drake Bulldogs winning in Des Moines again in that season opener on Wednesday. So I'll have my weekend preview coming out on Friday afternoon. Just wanted to put that out there because I know there's two men's games to watch for on Thursday. And then, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday will have those. Weekend games throughout college hoops, obviously on the men's and women's side of the Big East, that'll cover. Obviously, that includes a huge game, a top five matchup at, in Westwood at Pauley Pavilion with fourth-ranked Villanova visiting second-ranked UCLA. So, with that being said, I want to transition into a brief icebreaker and, you know, we learn more about this situation uh, since I like kind of discovered it and you know I'll, I'll take accountability for not researching as far as I should have I just kind of just saw what what I saw and obviously when a Providence basketball player which in this case is Jared Bynum when his car you know it it had you know frost on and whatnot and when he came back to his car and, and he saw the the N-word with that hard R at the end written in that frost, obviously that's not okay. Period. 
So, what we do know and, and again, so this was posted originally by uh, Big East Coast Bias writer Matt St. Jean. So I want to give him that credit. So, that, so they discover this on Jared Bynum's car on on his story, and so the follow up that Matt had with that was that were two emails were sent to the students of Providence College this afternoon, and I'm quoting this tweet directly indicating that multiple cars in a student lot were defaced. The school does not believe the perpetrators are PC students, and it does not appear that any individual students were targeted. So it was good that the president of the college, Reverend Kenneth R. Sicard, as well as the interim director of public safety, Eric Kroos, you know, they, they investigated that quickly. And... Address the elephant in the room, and you know, upon further discovery, you know, you know, as it was discovered, was you know, they were not PC students, and but here's the bottom line: it doesn't matter who did it. Or why, for that matter. It's not okay. Period. So, you know, the patches that you're going to see these Big East guys wearing on their jerseys this year with the hashtag BBE as in Big East, be the change, which Val Ackerman talked about at Big East Media Day. You know, they're wearing those patches for a reason. And... Either way, what happened with Jared Bynum and the other cars that were defaced in that way, again, it, it, it's unacceptable, it's not okay, and, and, and it has no place, and there's no place for it in, this, in, in our society today. So, you know, Jared, I know we had talked, you know, like, you know, I'd reach out to you, you know, expressing, you know, how sorry I am that that happened to you and that you didn't deserve it, period. I know that we talked about it private, privately beforehand, but I just want to publicly just, again, express my apologies again to you that this happened. Again, there's no place for it in society today. Um, and, you know, and I know, Jared, that you said this too. We all need to be better and grow from this. Yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right on that. And... We should we should all learn from that. A very good lesson should come from this, and you know it. It honestly, it should be a teaching moment for uh, like for me having to see that. Obviously, it was disheartening. It really was, and you know, in certain conferences. You know, like in areas where racism is more prevalent, case in point, the South, you know, like seeing like the ACC, the SEC, the Big 12, 
you know, you wouldn't really expect that from any school in the Big East because of the fact of where these schools are located. They're located in in cities, some of the biggest cities in the country. So for that to happen, like it's surprising because of the fact that this isn't in an area like the South where there is a history of racism and a toxic culture of that down there. But you wouldn't expect that, like I said, in a Big East city, at a Big East school. So again, like I said, it's just a very unfortunate situation. And Jared, you know, I speak for every one of the Big East that we're rallying behind you. And that we we got your back in this. We all do. At the end of the day, the Big East is all big, one happy family. And family's got each other's back. And family is what matters most, as Vin Diesel probably said a million times in the Fast and Furious franchise. So, that is a wrap on the opening day, days, I should say, preview of... The Igloo. Now, I'm hoping I can get a guest on because I want that Nova UCLA preview done really well. And it deserves it. It's a top five matchup in the first week of the season. I think it's the best game of the opening week slate. Even better than both games you're going to see in the Champions Classic tomorrow. You know, Kansas, Michigan State, and Kentucky Duke. That will pale in comparison to what you'll see Friday night. Granted, it'll be super late between Villanova and UCLA. So... Until next time, this is Timmy I signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you'll be like me enjoying this huge slate of games coming up today, tomorrow, and beyond. You know, strap in. This is going to be a fun, fun ride of a college basketball season once again.